Okay, so if I put on a wig and then I put a hat on, am I wearing two hats? Yes. No. Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 282. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Prilliman, and I'm joined this evening, afternoon, morning drive to work by... Oh, this is the first time I get to say two names. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. In a little while. Yeah. Uh, or I get to say... Yeah, I get to say... Uh, so, we are joined this evening, afternoon, morning drive to work by the one and only Samantha Har. That's me! And the one and only Charles Feather. I am the one and only, as far as I know. <laughs> That's him! Yes, we've we've killed all the we've purged all the other ones from the timeline, a la Loki. Uh, I may say, as far as I know, a lot this episode too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this is our kooky, wacky, zany, uh, Infinity show notes. Yay! Yay! This, uh, fun is mandatory for this episode, so cheer, people! Clap. It's required. Yay. Yes, yes. Clap, people. Let me go home. <laughs> yes. All right. So this is uh, Unfinity. Uh, you've probably heard about it, read about it in other places, but since we are a judge podcast, we're going to explain to you some things that you probably already know in excruciatingly uh, more detailed uh, detail. Um, all right. So let's talk about card legality uh, before we get into this. Uh, silver bordered cards, they're so 2020. Like, that's that's like before the pandemic. Does time have any meaning? That might as well have been a decade ago. So what they've started doing is is this new Unfinity, Unfinity set, it's all black border, but black borders traditionally meant tournament legal, and unfin- uh, unsets tend to do things that aren't uh, tournament legal. What they decided to do was put an acorn stamp on the cards to indicate what is not tournament legal, and then... So, so now this this unset is going to have tournament legal cards in the packs. They just won't have this little acorn stat because apparently, at least this is my theory. Now that they've started putting like full art lands in pack in regular product, like full art lands just doesn't sell the infinity cards like they used to. So now they have to start putting, you know, eternal legal commander legal cards in there uh, to sell uh, the the goofball products. Uh, so yeah, I think the goofy products should always be legal if you're if you're not weak. <laughs> in 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 commander, or why not? Yeah. Period. Have a good time. Yeah. So you you do know you do know why they use the acorn stamp, right? Because the cards are cards are still a little nutty. Yeah, it's the whole squirrel Ooh. theme. <laughs> I mean, the the cynic the cynic in me is completely. They wanted to sell the product. They realized that that Commander is the way to sell cards and uh, a reluctance to play with Acorn cards. So they were like, well, maybe if we make the, the, the cards black-bordered, people will, will be more likely to play with them. So, in summary, Acorns, if it's got a little Acorn stamp at the bottom, that is equivalent to the old Silver Border. If there is no Acorn... It means it is legacy commander legal. And when we look at this stuff, uh, may God have mercy on our souls. See, previously, uncards weren't really supported by the rules. Like, there's nothing in the CR about denim walk or how to assemble a contraption or any of that stuff. But generally, ungames are pretty low stakes. And the vast majority of time, 
you can just your playgroup can just decide or you could ferret out the, the the wacky intent of the card you know and if there's a disagreement you just kind of hammer it out amongst yourselves but now some of this nonsense is tournament legal and so we as judges have to care and just as a quick aside i think i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna give you my opinion i'm not a big fan of this set and i think it boils down it, it feels a lot like the eighth season of game of thrones and I think I don't a lot think of I realized there were eight seasons of Game of Thrones. Yeah, I think I think what it is is the fact that I'm being made to care about some of this stuff, as opposed to just being like a fun wacky aside, really kind of gets at me. But that's enough of my Debbie Downer talk. Uh, what's the first nonsense thing that we have to worry about now? First off, I'm not saying that we have show notes. <laughs> I'm not saying what Brian wrote. I'm a good person. I'm nice. Okay. Anyway. We'll just edit that. We'll just edit. I, I what did... we're going to talk about are stickers, not adverb stickers or adjective stickers. We're going to talk about stickers. Bleep so, bleep stickers. Bleep stickers. Bleep bleep. Let's, stickers. let's keep yes. the clean tag. <laughs> Hopefully, so, I can uh, keep this clean. So there are forty-eight different sticker sheets, and uh, the sticker sheets they have names. They have uh, art stickers. They have ability stickers. They have power toughness stickers. And scratch they all, and sniff stickers? And no scratch and sniff. Why not? Uh, that would seem like a really good idea. You know, if, you're, if your card smells like pizza, it's unblockable. Um, stickers can't be placed, or stickers can be placed only when they affect, only, okay, Blech. start over. Stickers can be placed when an effect specifically tells you to do so. Some stickers have a ticket cost, and we'll talk more about tickets in a little bit. Um, there is a lot going on with stickers. Uh, for an example of how stickers might work in the game, we're going to use the card Still Strider as an example. Uh, Still Strider is a uh, three and two green. It's a creature rhino performer. It has reach. And whenever Still Strider enters the battlefield, you get two tickets. Then you may put a sticker on a non-land permanent you own. Um, you can put a name sticker on Still Strider to change its name if you want. Um, you can put art stickers that change the art. You can put ability stickers or give it power and toughness using uh, some of the tickets that you have because some of the tickets, some of the stickers have ticket costs. For ease of understanding, stickers kind of work like special counters on a Skullbriar. And because Brian wrote the Skullbriar comment, what's that mean? Oh, Skullbriar is one of those old commander cards that it uh, plus plus one plus one counters on it uh, stay in all public zones. Oh, okay. So if it goes Got to it. the graveyard, it keeps its plus one, plus one counters. If it goes to exile, it keeps its plus one, plus one counters. So if you if you kind of think of stickers as really specialized counters that just kind of hang out like Skullbriar does, does then Skullbriar, the walking grave or something like that. Right. So whenever a card is visible that has stickers on it, it retains the stickers if it's visible to all parties. Um, so if it's on the great, if it's in the graveyard, if it's in exile, if it's in the command zone, uh, I don't. How would we get stickers on a card of the? I'm not sure, but I'm stickers, sure oh, you put break. stickers on your commander, well, and okay. then it died. And, okay, so but if it goes to the hand or library, we remove the stickers, put it on the sticker sheet, and uh, you'd have to actually pay for it or have an effect that allows you to transfer it back to the card again uh, when it becomes visible again. Um, if a token leaves the battlefield, it's going to cease to exist unless it doesn't which is a whole nother thing that we're going to get into at some point in time. So its stickers go back to the sticker sheet as well. Uh, if something tells you to put a sticker on something, it has to come from the sticker sheet. You can't reuse a sticker that's currently in use. 
Uh, also, you can't like use your opponent's stickers and so forth. You have st- your own sticker sheets for the game. Um, as to the sticker sheet itself, during the game, you have access to a maximum of three of them. It doesn't matter what format you're playing. You'll never have an access, as far as I know, you'll never have access to more than three sticker sheets. Uh, in Constructed, if you include sticker sheets in your deck, you have to include a minimum of 10 unique sticker sheets. Um, they must be registered on your deck list before each game. You will choose three sticker sheets at random, and those are the three you will have access to for that game. Now, we have all this information about what to do with Constructed. I'm going to offer a brief aside. It's an opinion only. I don't think you're going to see a lot of sticker sheets in Constructed. You might. Some people might try some stuff, but I don't think it's going to be too much of a thing. I'm of the opinion that when you said we're not going to see a lot, I'm of the opinion that one is a lot. <laughs> and that's fair because I think... One is too many. Yeah. Well, constructed, uh, the way that the sticker sheets are made, stickers are made to be applied and taken off and applied and taken off, but they're only made to do that for a limited number of times before they no longer stick. Um, I think if you're shuffling up and you're going to play a six-round tournament, um, your stickers are going to die about the middle of round two or three. Um, so without some massaging of the, uh, the uh, MTR and or IPG, um, stickers are kind of problematic for constructed. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, in sealed, you choose up to three sticker sheets from among those you opened. So if you open six packs, which is generally what you do with sealed, uh, you choose three sticker sheets before each game. In draft, sticker sheets aren't drafted. You just take the sheet out of the pack when you open it. Um, you pick th- uh so you, you use the three that you get there. Uh, <laughs> another note about draft, because it's not entirely clear to a lot of people, and we've been told different things over the last two or three years about how to draft. Um, when you open your draft pack, you take the sticker sheet out, you take the token out, and you take a land out. That land, in this case, can be a shock land with Unfinity. Neat. Anyway, um, going back to stickers. Uh, you can never put a sticker on a card or item you don't own. Uh, even if the effect says you, even if the effect says you can, you can't. Be sure to let you. So be sure to let your opponent borrow your tokens. Um, yeah. Ha ha. Because <laughs> it's it's well right. Just to clarify, it's own not control. Right. So and and for the purposes of tournaments, the owner of the card is the person whose deck it starts in. So if I borrow cards from Sama. And then we're playing against each other. Sam can't say, oh, you're not allowed to stick stickers on my cards. It's like, well, no, for the purpose of the rules, I own this. Right, right. Um, Some stickers have a ticket cost associated with them. So on the sticker sheet, you'll see next to it a little ticket icon, and it'll have two or three or four or five. I don't think I saw any above five tickets. Um, if you get to play a ticket and you want to play one of the ones that are costed, you have to have, uh, if, if you want to play a sticker and you want to play one of the ones that are costed with tickets, you have to have that many tickets to pay for that sticker. There's a, a, a six ticket power toughness, one. a 10-10. A okay. Yeah, that okay. makes sense being six. That, that's the one that you want to combine with the sticker that lets you uh, have uh, infect, right? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, so on to some specific ticker stuff. Name stickers. Uh, ch- they change a card's name. It's a text changing effect, so it, if it, it works in layer three after copy control. Uh, name sticker can go before, after, 
or between words in a game name in a name but you can't break up hyphenated words okay so uh the card doodle um whatever it's character caricature is see that's going to be my um it's going to be my uh oh, portcullis um <laughs> <laughs> deep cut there yes uh, so so, do, so so doodle is actually spelled d zero zero dash dl or d o o d l i'm not sure um, you can't put a name sticker in between the D-O-O and the D-L. Uh, stickers might not fit exactly where you want to point it. Just tell your opponent the intent. Uh, name stickers can't be used to change any text that isn't a name. Remember that when a card text refers to itself by name, it really means this, as in this permanent, so it can still affect itself. Uh, because this name sticker is a type-changing effect, if the creature's name changes due to something like a copy effect, the sticker will still modify the name of the copy the creature became. Hold on, that's, uh, there's a typo in that sentence. Is there? Uh, it, yeah, it's not a type-changing, it's a text-changing effect. Got it. Um, so how do we handle name-changing effects in foreign languages? Well, when placing a name sticker on a non-English card, if you're not playing an ungame, refer to the card's English name in order to determine where the sticker goes and what name the card will have afterward. Uh, if you're playing an ungame, just use the non-English name of the card. Thus, a German Ruhenclaw bear might become Dark Ruhenclaw bar or Ruhenclaw bar Dark. And I probably butchered the pronunciation there a little bit. I apologize. Um, art stickers. In non-unsent games, art stickers have no effect. It's just a sticker. It will count for cards that care about the quantity of stickers. Um, art stickers uh, are neat in ungames because you can add hats to things you can add bowling balls to uh the chameleon so that he can carry them uh you can give the uh uh what's the card with the the uh hole in the mountain that's a face and you can give that a a, it's a carnivore card you can give it a a hot dog if you want Um, (laughs) it's a lot of fun what there's a corn dog there's a corn dog sticker so you can put the corn dog in the thing's mouth and it looks like it's actually being fed which makes it a happy um creature cave creature oh anyway i see the sticker now well now i want to go look and see what cards i can add the hot dog sticker to to make it funny i I have so many thoughts about stickers really (laughs) uh power toughness sam do you have thoughts that you want to share right now or (laughs) i didn't want to ruin your flow but (laughs) go ahead first okay okay first one most important if this is ever going to continue in the future if we get more stickers i need i need some designed by lisa frank I need some. As a, as a kid born in the like late 80s, grew up through the early 90s, I need Lisa Frank magic stickers, okay? First and foremost. Second of all, um, a friend of mine was telling me about this, this plot in Yu-Gi-Oh! where some lady was like stacking her deck or like could figure out where her, her cards were. They were marked cards because she could smell them. They had perfume on them. So like if we had scratch and stick, scratch and sniff stickers... At what point will we have to start issuing marked cards because you could smell them getting closer to the top of your deck? Will stickers do get removed when they go to your library or to your hand? I know, but I'm just saying, like, at what point is that like, going to come up? Because like, the answer is, there is re- not never. Is there residual pizza smell on the card? So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna caveat. So the marked cards penalty. Now, no, this is this is Brian getting all like serious about an absurd topic. The stank card penalty. Yep. Yeah. Well, no, the marked cards penalty, the upgrade that you get 
to the to the game laws for mark cards requires them to be uh, requires the strategic information you gain from the marking to be substantial or significant or non-trivial. Okay, so like a ding in the corner, like a single ding on a single forest in your mono green devotion deck, not a big deal. That's that's just that's not a that's not an upgradable thing. So I'm thinking like the slight whiff of a malted milkshake scratch and sniff sticker from two rounds ago probably also falls into that trivial type of advantage. So you're saying if I'm not a licensed sommelier, then it doesn't matter. Uh, I don't know what you've got your degrees in. So if I I make my best cards really, really stand out (laughs) smell wise, you're okay with that. You, you don't, you think that's pretty trivial, Brian, you think that's okay. (laughs) Well, if you make it substantial, I, I find that it, probably hard to tell the difference between you know if it's the first second third card in the library because i'm thinking like i'm thinking like those events that we used to have in like conventions because we used to have those um way back in the day where there'd be like there was always like a mary Kay convention or something next door in the hall next door and the whole building just had that mala that that malodorous malodorous yes uh it just it just had this cloud of a combination of all different makeups and you so you can so it's like walking into the center of macy's right is that what you're saying yes yes okay um so thank you for (laughs) i i gotta admit the 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 phrase card stank sommelier is not one i ever imagined would go through my head and now it's there thank you both there's so many sentences i wrote in these release notes that i never thought i'd have to write Uh, not only that but i mean this is a rabbit hole i never thought we'd go down when i started this so uh this is fun um power toughness (laughs) stickers we'll talk about those power toughness stickers are a uh, pt setting effect and that happens in layer 7.2 uh, the sticker value overwrites the printed power toughness on the creature or any power toughness sti- uh, stickers that came before it. So if you uh, decide to put a 2.7 over top of your 7.2, the 2.7 is now the new power toughness. Um, so it applies in, in time staff order with other power toughness setting effects that come before or after it. If a creature has a asterisk in its power toughness, as well as a, seed, uh, a characteristic defining effect that sets the power and toughness, the power and toughness sticker will overwrite that. Again, layers. Uh, you can put a power toughness sticker in a non-creature per- on a non-creature permanent. The sticker won't do anything until it becomes a creature somehow. And there are effects in this set that let you do that. If you put power and toughness on a vehicle, it will have the stickers. Power and toughness when it crews. That's one good example. So now often effects that turn things into creatures also set the power and toughness. And we will then go to timestamps when the uh, where the animating effect will probably ability stickers always add abilities. They never remove abilities or other text, regardless of their physical placement. An ability sticker doesn't have to be placed on a card's text box. It will function no matter where it is on the card. Now, uh, what happens to stickers that stop sticking during mid tournament? Well, I think so long as both players are aware of where the sticker is, that's great. Um, if you need to, you can probably use a piece of paper, um, with a little note on it. Uh, in light of that, I also, uh, am a big fan of infinite tokens. Um, and I made use of those once or twice over the last weekend while what, I was infinite playing with infinity. Token? Yeah. Infinite token? What's that? In, 
Uh, it's a rewritable token card. It's it's a it's a white oh, erasable card, and you get uh, dry erase markers, and you can do all different kinds of artwork on them. So I, I've used those to great effect as well when the sticker stopped working for me. Oh, I've actually got some of these little disky things. Oh, this is... They are great. I've got... Oh, well, look at that. Infinite Tokens, if you want to reach out for a sponsorship deal. Uh, <laughs> actually, don't, because then we'll have to write an ad, and I don't want to do that. So, uh, yeah, I I, th- I think you're absolutely right. Like, if a sticker start, uh, stops sticking, then using a little token uh, for, for tournament play. There are some cards that say, like, if the token, if the sticker has to touch a border, then do so-and-so, and, and that's going to not work so good. But, yeah, I, I mean, as long as the MTR... I, I think the MTR is going to have to account for what happens if my sticker stops sticking mid-tournament. Yeah, it's going to have to be addressed somewhere, I feel. Um, I don't know when we'll get that, that change. Um, hopefully yeah. soon. Start like, keeping a glue stick in your bag. Like if I was if I was running things, <laughs> I would probably say you just have to have the sticker, and then you don't even have to peel the sticker off the first time. You can just use your infinite tokens or whatever straight off the bat, and then yeah. you just have to you just have to keep in mind that if that thing goes to the graveyard, the token goes with it, and it's not on the sticker sheet, even though it's physically you can see it physically on the sticker sheet. It's not actually there. Yeah, so long as it's clear that there's something going on and you and your opponent know what's happening, um, it's no different than than any other uh, attempt to keep your board state in an understandable um, setup so that you and your opponent have some idea as to what's happening and there's no there's no chance for confusion. What's What other nonsense is in this set? This is all very serious, Brian. No nonsense. Uh-oh. No nonsense. All right. Next up this, for this very serious card game, we have Attractions. So, attractions are a new artifact type, and they are meant to simulate rides, games, and vendors you would find at a carnival. Um, They are in a separate deck, and some of them are eternal legal. And that's right, they they added a second deck to the game. To the real game. There there are plenty of games that have extra decks. No, I'm saying, because like before, people would be like, oh, well, what about the contraption deck? I was like, yeah, those games aren't real. They made a second deck. Brian. What? Brian. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Nothing is real. This is all a simulation. Don't don't worry about the extra decks, Brian. Yeah. Brian, are you going to pick the red pill or the blue pill? Is the is the red was pill that, cherry or watermelon? Was that too deep a cut? Or strawberry? No, it's not. I just had this it's... moment of I couldn't remember which one was which. <laughs> I need to know what flavor first because that adds a lot of value to me. So anyway, attractions. Attractions are put on the battlefield by cards that tell you to open an attraction. So you then draw a card from your attraction deck and put it on the battlefield. If you have one or more attractions out, at the beginning of your first main phase, you attempt to visit the attractions, which means you roll a single six-sided die, and the result of that die is then compared to the lights on the side of the card. If the number matches, you get the results associated with the visit on the card. So we have an example here, concession stand. Visit, create a food token. Um, And we have two different example images in our little notes here because one has the two and the six lit up and the second one has the three and the six lit up. So yeah, there are different versions of the same attraction with different lights lit up. Um, Same number of lights, but lights on different numbers. And the colors are different, but don't seem to have any meaning because, I don't know, reasons? Maybe that'll maybe that'll mean something eventually. I don't know. I don't think it means anything right now. 
Yeah, I just noticed that that like the two is always blue, the three is always green, the four is always yellow. Although yeah. that now that you say that, I realize they're not in Wooburg order. Well, no. Well, there's also like a purple and an orange. Well, I know, but like you could have done like blue, black, red. I don't know. Actually, how do you light up a black number? Never mind. I see blue, red, and green, and it, it tilts me. I, I want them to be. Anyway. So, note. This is a triggered ability. <laughs> it's unclear if the game is including this trigger as a new turn-based trigger, or some sort of this type of trigger can trigger only once trigger, baked into the attraction type that just happens to span multiple permanents. It's, yeah. it's a trigger. Because <laughs> if you have multiple if you have multiple attractions out, you still only get like you still only roll the dice once. So it's not yeah. It's it's so. Do each attraction have with it the 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 trigger, and then you know, so each of them trigger, but then the trigger has to be phrased in such a way so that they clean up all the other ones, so the the other ones don't happen. Or is it like somehow the game says, "Hey, if there's an attraction, then this trigger gets added." You know, it it has to be triggered. It it has to be a trigger ability for a couple of reasons. Um, one being, and the most important being, what you just mentioned is that you could have multiple attractions and the multiple attractions have different effects. One can create a permanent, for instance. One can create a 1-1 one, one, uh, balloon token. Another one can uh, put a counter oh, on, on, we, on a token. We were talking about the, the visit, the, the rolling a dice to visit, not the effect. Okay. Right? So the, the, effects, the effects happen, you know, just like, but when you roll a, you know, the, the trigger to roll a three, you don't have you don't roll five six out of dice if you have five attractions. You still just roll one, right? So there's got to be some sort of cleanup mechanism, right? I'm just going to keep on that's going a point. little bit, yeah. Okay. No, oh, that's interesting. Magic's confusing, but that's why we're here. We're here to figure it out. <laughs> All right. If your artifact or if sorry, if your attraction, which is an artifact, is destroyed or would go anywhere other than exile, it instead goes to the junkyard which is like the scrapyard for contraptions, which is a new zone. More new zones, more new things. Ever evolving, this game. The important thing, though, is that they never go to the graveyard, which I, I think we guess this means that they can't die. Also, and this is an assumption, um, that even if you somehow turn a concession stand into a copy of a creature and it dies, it will not go to the graveyard, it will go to the junkyard. Um... The, the FAQ for Down for Repairs seems to imply that this is the case. Um, they did a similar check with Manifest where it made sure the physical card was a creature was a creature card before you could flip it. Um, all throughout these notes, Brian has just written, why is this eternal legal over and over? Yeah. Just to, it's out to get you, Brian. It is. It's out to it get is. you. It is. So, yeah, so even though it's a creature, and creatures, when they take lethal damage, they go to the graveyard and they die... The game is going to say, like, ah, even though this is a creature, underneath it all, it's an attraction. So it's going to go to the junkyard. All. all right, this says contraption deck. I assume you mean attraction deck. Uh, Yes, I mean attraction deck. We could talk about contraptions if you wished. No, we'll stick with attractions. Okay, so your attraction deck, in constructed. Your attraction deck must contain at least ten attractions, and it cannot have two or more cards with the same name even if they have different text or lights. If limited, your attraction deck must contain at least three cards and may contain duplicates. Um, in draft, attractions are drafted like other cards. Okay, so you really do got to draft them. Cool, mm -hmm. cool, cool. 
Um, some attractions are mini games. They have a visit ability and a prize ability. Well, the prize ability looks like a separate ability, but it's not. It's actually part of the visit ability. Ooh, visit ability and visit ability are actually two different. Never yes. Mind. I was like, <laughs> wow, as I said that, I was like, that that's actually a word. <laughs> it's actually part of the visit ability and conditional based on if you win the minigame from the visit. It's not a trigger, so no one can do something between the winning of the minigame and the claiming of the prize. Your mom can't take you out to the car before you spend your tickets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and if you claim a prize, you sacrifice the attraction. I guess like real carnival games, if you were too lucky, they don't let you play anymore. <laughs> yeah. See, I feel like I feel like the prizes ought to be Tootsie Rolls and like spider rings and vampire fangs. Uh, those are stickers. Uh, there are vampire fang stickers and Tootsie Roll stickers. Are or, there really? Or, oh, or un, un brand marked or trademark Tootsie Rolls. See, and that actually adds up because in real arcades and stuff and carnivals, like you always like a lot of them, you end up using just off brand candy because it's cheaper, and so that that like really actually adds to the experience. That's a yeah. lot more real. Than having on brand like actual branded merch anyway. <laughs> Tauncy rolls. What? Tauncy rolls. Tauncy rolls. <laughs> Got it. Alright. So hats. Yep. Hats. There's a hat theme. Uh fortunately all the hat cards uh uh care about art. And art are all uh, cards that care specifically about art are all acorn cards. That's good because the only hats we here at JudgeCast care about are hats at pre-releases. Oh my god, don't start him on the hats topic. Yeah, all right. So, so, so there I'm, are there there are a couple cards that care about also what players are wearing, but again, that's still acorn cards. It's that's still not eternal legal. Um so it's not all just about the art this time. It's it's about what what players bring to the table themselves. Yep. And so if a if a card asks about a hat, this is a sentence from the release notes. Or sentence is, a hat is a garment worn on the head that is not part of another garment. Hoodies, for example, are not hats. Items that cover only the face and not the top of the head, such as a face mask, is are also not hats. Hats are purposely decorative. Simply balancing a thing on your head doesn't make it a hat. So, helmets uh, aren't hats. But somehow wigs and headbands are. Like, those are called out. Helmet, not a hat. What? Wig oh my God. is a hat. Headband, which, like, that one actually bothers me that headbands are considered hats. As someone that it, has an undergraduate I, I, degree in fashion design, this is killing me. And I would I, talk about this forever. I still think my son was cheating when he was wearing his headband yesterday. But uh, I apparently am not allowed to say anything about it. Yeah, that's it's called out in the release notes. Headbands, and I guess if you took a wristband and just stretched it a whole lot, it counts as a hat. So long as you don't pass out from loss of circulation. Yeah. Okay, what do you mean balancing something random on your head isn't a hat? Like, why not? Well, it is. If it's decorative and it's on your head, it's, it's, it's a no, hat. No, it's, it's not a garment. It is if you're wearing it. I release notes beg to differ. Well, I'm I'm not saying for the purposes of the game. I'm arguing in the uh, this 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 is going to irk me. But I'm a judge. I will follow the rules. Wigs, wigs are hats. I wigs. accept that. Wigs are wigs are not hats. Like, They're not not hats. Like, 
okay, so if I put on a wig and then I put a hat on, am I wearing two hats? Yes. No. No. The, the hat I'm, on top I'm going cancels to start out. To keep a, I'm going to start to keep a count of the number of rabbit holes we go down. No, That's the, the, two. The two second rabbit hat holes. cancels out the under hat. <laughs> Under so so in fact if you have a baseball cap and then you put a bowler on over it you're you're still only wearing one hat. so it's like power it's like uh power and toughness setting effects the last one wins right <laughs> just the we, one on top we just applied hats in timestamp order <laughs> makes sense to me all right we're smart <laughs> what's, what's so so let's talk about words because words are important words define our life right um there are lots of cards in the set that also care about words or specific letters since Unfinity is only printed in English, and I'm going to have a brief comment about that in a moment, um, all the non-Acorn cards that care about words, value, vowels, and such point to stickers or card names that were just that were only printed in English. So is why a vowel has been decided by Watsi. That's Wizards of the Coast. Uh, stay tuned for next onset where they address if hot dogs are tacos. And I believe they are. Um, judges have been arguing about this one for a long time. Um, now here's a previous rule change pointing to the CR that we had somehow missed. Um, we haven't talked about it and I'm just going to mention it. And then I'm going to talk about the whole, uh, English language thing in a second. Um, 11, uh, 111.4 states that a spell or ability that creates a token sets both its name and its subtypes. If the spell or ability doesn't specify the name of the token, its name is the name. It, its name is the same as its subtype plus the word token. Once a token is on the battlefield, changing its name doesn't change its subtype and vice versa. So essentially, uh, when tokens are being created, they have, uh, if you're creating a goblin token, it, it's a goblin, it's actually named goblin token, right? Right. Yeah. Um, the English language thing, uh, I know that there is a, a lot of talk about it on Twitter about uh, accessibility. Um, I know what they said in the past, and I didn't see them mention it this time. Um, but the reason that they've given in the past for unsets being published only in English uh, is because comedy tends to be um, comedy tends to end up in sectors, um, <laughs> to use the uh, space chase example. Uh, what works in English may not work in French. Uh, what works in French may not work in Japanese. Uh, so they tend to make these joke sets only in English based upon that reason because comedy doesn't always translate especially the puns um i think that there's a lot of pushback on that this time around i don't know whether or not uh, wizards of the coast heard uh, much of it and i don't know whether or not there's anything that will happen in the future with unsets in that regard but it's possible that uh, i would hope that they would at least uh listen to the different feedback that's out there so i i think that that's a wonderful justification that is public facing where the real the real reason is that it do, they don't sell well enough to justify the cost of printing and and translating and all that stuff. It's always a business at the end of the day. This yeah, is true. Uh, I, I, yeah, but businesses do business things. Yeah, and and this is the I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest. I don't think that the fact that you know it's like well, it's not accessible if you don't print it in all the languages. There's a lot of things where just the cost results in not being able to do it at all. You know, like the upfront cost of, of not being able to do a thing. So sometimes trying to make it accessible to everybody means you can't make it. 
because it's prohibitively expensive. You know, that's just a thing that happens sometimes. So that's true. Yeah. No, that's a good point. That's something that we're we're working on a little bit right now behind the scenes at Judge Academy is we're um, updating quite a few of the L1 modules, but the L1 modules are all in all the languages. So that means that we, you know, it's not like just adding a module or adding, you know, L3 content. Now, any anything we do to L1 modules has to be retranslated across like five different languages. Yeah. And if there's a typo, so. like if you discover, it's not just done either. If you discover a typo in that thing of six months from now, you gotta, you've got to fix that. You know, you might have to fix that typo in all six documents. Which to be to be clear, like we're super happy to do it. It just it I, I'm just really agreeing that it's it's a process that takes way longer and is way more expensive than I ever would have guessed before coming yeah. into this job. <laughs> yeah. So we're working on it. <laughs> yeah. So next up on our list here, we've got dice. Um, we have a little example here. Uh, boing for one in a blue. It's an instant return target creature to its owner's hand. Then roll a six sided die. If the result is three or less, scry a number of cards equal to the result. Very cute. So when you are told to roll a die, the effect will define how many faces the die must have, which makes sense for probability reasons. Although I guess you could decide to roll something with more faces to make it harder on yourself. In the, I don't, don't do that. Um, the die must be fair and each result equally likely. Digital substitutes are allowed except in cases where the physicality of the die is required for the effect. Ooh barf in here stop that <laughs> if an ability triggers quote-unquote when you roll a die it will trigger whenever you roll any die including the planar die this is a change from previous unsets but not a change from the various D sets so we did it <laughs> we removed some complexity from the game yeah look at that we combined two rules to to make one set one one rule game so much easier now right yeah no <laughs> Some effects modify the result of a die roll. Any ability, like boing, that reference the result of the roll, use the result after modifications. Um, If a die is re-rolled, the original roll essentially never happened, and abilities that care about whenever you roll a die only see the roll that counted. Just a specific note on boing so we don't have to talk about it again later. If the result is zero or less, you don't scry at all. Which I actually went looking for a card because uh, there's a card with surveil that says like whenever you surveil, you surveil two additional cards. And so I had this thought of it's like, well, what if there's like whenever you scry, you scry an additional card? Would you would you scry? You know, does the, the one get added to the scry zero? And I couldn't find any any examples of that. So that's a good question. Yay. Interesting. You're yeah. smart. That's why you're an L3. Um uh, so yeah, so uh, there are some cards in this set that require uh, some level of manual dexterity or some sort of phys- physicality, and those are called physical challenge cards. Now, those are limited to acorn cards because we do not put uh, cards that require a physical component in the tournament legal products, but I'll just read the statement from the release notes. It says, several acorn cards in this set uh, ask the player to perform feats of dexterity or other physical actions. If, for any reason, you are unable to perform such an action, we encourage you to discuss equivalent tasks with your playgroup. If you can find a suitable substitute that upholds the spirit of the card, you should use it. You may you are also allowed to designate another person to act in your place for this action. And realistically, that's the most fair thing 
I, I think that can be done. There are people that like cards where you flip or balance things on your head or hold cards on your fingers or have to touch certain permanents. Um, and as long as there is a non-physical uh, a component uh, that, that, that people that have various challenges can do, then allow it and I, and I can't i can't imagine if you're playing like in a casual game or an fnm or something like that where someone's gonna be like no if you can't hold that on your finger then uh then you you can't play it like i don't know that just seems like a kind of person i don't want in my event right right if, if, if we ever catch you like doing that like doing that on purpose to someone with no fingers then we we're we're gonna fight <laughs> or or not even you know just just they have a like they have mobility issues where they can't turn their wrists so that their palms face up you know well, right so, so so i'm i'm being goofy but like oh, seriously okay. don't don't be don't be that guy don't be that person yeah. this is this is the wheaton's uh law um statement here we we, we don't be a jerk uh, yeah don't don't do that <laughs> please yeah. don't do that um, it, it, if you if you absolutely have to have some general guideline um, I would put on my lab coat for a second and say, as Dr. Judge, um, roll a dice. And before you do that, determine what the value is that allows you to do the action. Um, I think that that's a very simple and easily agreed upon solution. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and it looks sense. like I counted wrong. It's okay. I'll do this <laughs> note. And then, <laughs> oh, okay. What? Okay. It yeah, works. There we go. Okay. It works. Um, so uh, we are going to, before we start, preface this by saying that we're going to talk mostly about eternal cards. Um, the reason being is because we're going to see those more often in other constructed events and so forth. So we're going to lean on those as we talk about this. We will talk about some of the acorn cards simply because either they do something really fun, really interesting, or they bring up something or that uh, through our experience over the weekend of playing and using and looking at these cards, um, they uh, may have uh, been something that we talked about a little bit more at the shop. Um, so acorn cards will be discussed, but most of these uh, card notes are going to be about eternal notes. And with that, hey, Sama, what's that first card? You're going to make me say this? Oh, my God. Okay. That's that's why we, we that's count, why we did. I count it. Yeah, that's why you, we started the way we did is so that you would end up on this card. Oh, thanks a lot. All right. Yeah. This is Ambassador... Blorbity Blorp Boop. So Blorbity Blorp Boop <laughs> is a legendary creature, alien advisor, guest. Three, three, uh, three green blue cost. Um, when Ambassador Blorbity Blorp Boop enters the battlefield, you get are those tickets. Yep. You get three tickets. Then you may put a sticker on a non-land permanent you own. At the beginning of each combat, you may have Ambassador Blorbity Blorp Boop. His base power and toughness become equal to the total power and toughness of all stickers on permanents you control. Interesting. So Blorpity Blorp Boop has some errata to make the second trigger clearer. At the beginning of each combat, you may have Ambassador Blorpity Blorp Boop's base power become equal to the total power of all stickers on permanents you control and its base toughness become equal to those stickers' total toughness. Okay. <laughs> okay. <I love laughs> all right. <laughs> I will get it. you for this later. Worth worth all the time. <laughs> the power and toughness stickers don't have to be on creatures. Any power and toughness sticker on any permanent will count. Count only stickers on permanents you control. It doesn't count stickers on permanents you own but don't control. Count only the values on the stickers. If a creature has a 5-5 five five sticker on it and a plus one plus one counter on the creature, you 
you don't add the plus one plus one counter to the math. The last triggered ability doesn't have a defined end. It lasts until reset by the trigger again or another zone change. New stickers entering or leaving don't dynamically change the math. This isn't sticker Tarmogoyf. <laughs> nope. Blorpity blorp boop. Ambassador Blorpity blorp boop to you. <laughs> <laughs> what a high honor. Oh, the next one's me. All right. Oh, oh, oh. I didn't think this through very well. Um, all right, so the next card is an acorn card called Animate Graveyard. Uh, for three black black, it is an enchantment aura. Enchant your graveyard. Enchanted graveyard is a creature on the battlefield with base power and toughness, each equal to the number of cards in it. It still ha uh, it has the text boxes of all creatures in it. It's still a graveyard. If Enchanted Graveyard would leave the battlefield, instead... Exile Animate Graveyard. All right. So I don't even know why I decided to talk about this. I think I looked at the release notes and I was like, wow, that's a whole lot of text. So yeah, it's probably <laughs> something interesting worth talking about. All right. So first off, even though the card says it's still your graveyard, it says that you're probably going to get some questions about this. It's still a graveyard. Okay. If a creature dies, um, it's going to go into the graveyard, which is also kind of on the battlefield. So that's going to change the characteristics of the creature real time. While animated, despite your graveyard being on the battlefield, the creatures in your graveyard are not on the battlefield. You can still don't, equip... Don't, don't, think, don't think too hard about that. Just, yeah. just go with what it's telling you. Yep. You can equip, block, attack, you know, sticker it. You could put power and toughness sticker on your graveyard i guess sure why not um now this i think this is the thing that actually convinced me to to put this in the in the actual release notes if you have any creatures in your graveyard with power and toughness characteristic defining abilities like tarmogoyf okay well cdas apply in layer 7.1 okay they're the first step but then things that set your power and toughness to a specific value like the power and toughness setting uh, ability of Animate Graveyard, is going to apply after those, okay? So the CDAs kind of don't matter. All right. If another player gains control of your graveyard, the Animate Graveyard is going to be put in to its owner's graveyard. Uh, this stops your graveyard from being a creature, like, immediately. So, yeah. And then, uh, oh, you can't animate your junkyard or scrapyard. Because they're different zones, I guess. Or your backyard. Or, yeah. <laughs> well, how will I get the or your land to come yard. to the yard if I, with the milkshakes? If I, I don't know. <laughs> well, if you're, if you're going to sing, that means that I have to sing. And nobody wants to hear me sing. But I'm going to say, goodness gracious, great balls of fire. Anyway. N nobody uh, wants to hear me about... sing either. I just, I, it's just, it's a feature and a bug. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about blank balls of fire. Um, you should go to a doctor and get that checked out. We should. We should. For, for, <laughs> I said we should, and I laughed, but I shouldn't be laughing. It sounds serious. Um, so, especially so, if it looks position. like that. <laughs> so, Balls of Fire is a red enchantment for three and a red. And it says when this enchantment enters the battlefield, you may put a name sticker on it. Whenever you put a sticker on this enchantment, it deals damage equal to the number of O's in its name sticker stickers on this enchantment to any target. So the fact that great balls of fire, if I put great on top of it, 
and it doesn't have any O's in it. I feel like that's a flavor fail. I, I, I think it should be that just that just hurts. Anyway, um well, how, the last how, how would you have been grout balls of fire? Groot Groot Balls of Fire? Groot we, Balls, we, Grout we, Balls. Can we well we've got we've got, you know, the extended universe stuff now. Maybe we can have Groot. I accept. Uh, that sounds great. <laughs> like Snickerdoodle and Homunculus have two O Lux Oh Luxodon has three. Well there you go. Those might be the best balls of fire. Luxodon balls of fire. <laughs> Okay, I need to no. get off this card. I'm just going to giggle all the way through it. <laughs> um, the last ability will trigger whenever you put a sticker of any kind on Balls of Fire. It doesn't have to be a name sticker. However, it will only count the O's in the name stickers on it. And there are some art stickers with words on it, so that's important. Uh, you count the number of O's as the ability resolves. If Balls of Fire has left the battlefield, use last known information to determine the O count. And there you have it. There it is. Next up, we have Big Winner for three and a red creature, Ogre Warrior Guest. It's a 5-2. Big Winner has Trample as long as you control a stickered permanent. So just a reminder that while stickers stay on cards in the graveyard, permanents, quote-unquote, only exist on the battlefield. So stickered cards that could be permanents in, that are in the graveyard, it's not looking at those. All right. Uh, the next up is Captain Rex Nebula, uh, which is a for a one red and a white for a two two legendary creature human pilot employee that says at the beginning of combat on your turn. Actually, I'm gonna read. Uh, I'm gonna read its errata because it got errata. Um, this is internal legal card. At the beginning of combat on your turn, choose target non-land permanent you control. Until end of turn, it becomes a vehicle artifact with base power and toughness each equal to its mana value, and it gains crew two and begin quote crash land. Whenever this vehicle deals combat damage, roll a six-sided die. If the result is equal to this vehicle's mana value, sacrifice this vehicle, then it deals damage, deals that much damage to any target. So the 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 printed the printed uh, card does a, uh, has a few things different. One, it has it dealing damage and then sacrificing, whereas the errata has you sacrificing and then dealing damage, and then it makes it a little clearer that the base power and toughness and the crew two and the crash landing also only last until end of turn. Okay. I just I just find it disturbing. I find it disturbing how relaxed Captain Rex Nebula looks in that art, and and he's all about crashing stuff. I mean, well, I don't, yeah, I don't I don't get it. It's like it's like it's like he's not he's completely nonplussed. Oh well, I mean this this is clearly the the Zach Brannigan right or the Zap uh, Zap Brannigan Zap right? Brannigan. Yeah, the when I'm in command, every mission is a suicide mission. Brannigan. <laughs> um, one of the quotes that pretty good. Stop exploding, you cowards! Um, <laughs> all right. So, um, now there is a rule that says if a permanent becomes an artifact creature, uh, it retains all its other types. So, if it's a land that becomes an artifact creature, it retains the fact that it's still a land. Most cards say it's still a land, but per rules, when you become an artifact creature, explicitly, you retain your other types. You don't have to have additional text. Okay, but because this is Captain Rex Nebula, uh, in this case, he isn't turning the permanent into an artifact creature. He's turning it into a vehicle, which is just an artifact vehicle, even though it's got a power and toughness. So the so because you were doing that, 
the permanent is going to lose all of its other types and subtypes. Okay, It will keep super types like Legendary or Snow, and it will retain any previous abilities. Okay, um, unless it was uh, like a, a, a base, uh, you know, a land forest, and then it's gonna. Well, it says non-land permanent. So, all right, the crash land ability triggers whenever the vehicle deals any damage, not just combat damage, and it'll trigger only once, regardless of how many things it deals damage to. So, if it gets trampled somehow, uh, or it's blocked by like three or four creatures, and you assign multiple damage, it's still going to to trigger only the one time. Yep. That sounds exciting. Um, In theory. <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk about Celebrate 8000, which is uh, an artifact creature clown robot, a 3-3 for 5. Uh, it costs 5 to cast. Um, at the beginning of combat on your turn, roll two six-sided dice. For each result of one, the Celebrate 8000 gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. For each other result, and they're listed below, it gains indicated ability until end of turn. If you roll doubles, it also gains double strike until end of turn. Now, the other uh, possible results, for two, you get menace. If you roll three, you get vigilance. If you roll four, you get lifelink. Uh, if you roll five, you get flying. And if you get six, you get indestructible. So the important note about this is effects can modify uh, the dice numbers to zero or seven. So if you don't, you don't get a boost. But if you end up rolling double zeros or double sevens, and this is infinity, so I guess it can happen, you would still get double strike. All right, next we have Claire de Lune Joy Sculptor for white and a blue, legendary creature, human performer. It's a 2-3, uh, and this is an acorn card. Side note. Um, when Claire de Lune Joy Sculptor enters the battlefield, for the rest of the game, tokens you own become cards that are still tokens, meaning they continue to exist after they leave the battlefield. They don't poof. Um, for generic white blue tap colon, <laughs> you may put a token from your graveyard or hand onto the battlefield. That is wackiness. Um, after Claire's enter, enter the battlefield ability resolves, tokens that leave the battlefield will remain in existence in whatever zone it goes to. That means you must represent that token with a physical object. Um, tokens can end up your, in your hand, but since they typically don't have mana costs, you will have to find another way to get them out other than casting them. Um, tokens can end up in your library, so bring some sleeves. Um, you do have to make them indistinguishable from other cards. Um, what if the card goes to a set location in the library, such as the bottom or fifth card from the top, a la Super Duper Lost? You still need to sleeve it for the game because of potential shuffle library effects. Gotta stay prepared, folks. Yeah. A token created as a copy of another object will remain a copy of that object after it leaves the ba after that object leaves the battlefield. Um, note that this is different from the token becoming a copy of something else. Yeah. So if the token's created as a copy of a thing, it's that thing. But if it's the token, yeah, if the token later, a copy effect later gets layered on top of the token, well, that copy effect's going to end as it changes zones. Right. Oh, I get to talk about Clown Car, which is eternal legal. So for X, it is a 1-1 artifact vehicle with the ability... When Clown Car enters the battlefield, roll X six-sided die. For each odd result, create a 1-1 one, one white clown robot artifact creature token. And for each even result, put a plus one, plus one counter on Clown Car. And it has a crew of two. All right. Ugh. X can be really big. 
people can be like, oh, well, I, you know, go infinite or arbitrarily large, 100,000. I have to roll 100,000 D6s. Uh, just, just use a digital resource for that. You know, don't, don't waste time. If you try and roll like 100,000 dice, we're going to give you slow play. Don't do it. Don't do it. There. Clown car was one of those cards that went through a lot of development in R&D. And I think at one point in time, it literally produced an infinite number of clowns. <laughs> and I, because, because, Hey, it's funny. Um, but I think they, I think they, uh, pulled back on that. It, it's somewhere in Rosewater's yeah. notes. Uh, uh, but I, it's funny. <laughs> uh, anyway, I get to talk about the goodest boy, the very bestest boy. I get to talk about Comet Stellar Pup. Aww. Uh, aww. uh, for two red and a white, he's a legendary planeswalker comet uh with five base loyalty there's so five starting loyalty now this one's really weird so bear with me for a second for zero loyalty ability so neither to go up or down and this is the only loyalty ability on the card you roll a six-sided die and then you use the results to determine which the action actually happens so if you roll a one or a two you plus two comets loyalty ability then you create two one one green squirrel creature tokens they gain haste until end of turn. It should be noted that in the presence of a dog, squirrel tokens being able to run away as fast as possible seems like a really good idea. <laughs> um, a three, right? That's yeah. Cute. Okay. <laughs> I'll accept that. A three uh, gets you a minus one loyalty counter, and then uh, you return a card with a mana value two or less from your graveyard to your hand. On a four or five, Comet Stellar Pup deals damage equal to the number of loyalty counters on him to a creature or a player, then you minus two loyalty. And then on a six, uh, gets a plus one to the loyalty, and you may activate Comet Stellar Pup's loyalty ability two more times this turn, which sounds really good. Um, so a few notes about this. The loyalty symbol written in the effect means to plus or minus the appropriate number of loyalty counters. Um, none of Comet's abilities target. All choices are on resolution. Uh, if you roll a three or have no cards in your graveyard with a mana value of two or less, you still remove the loyalty counter. Uh, if you get a four or five while well, Pup has one loyalty counter on it, it will deal one damage to a target, then put it in the graveyard, and you will have to explain to your kids what happened to Comet. Seems That's bad. a really bad joke, and I read it anyway, and I feel bad about it. Oh. A little tears coming to my eye. Um, if if Comet somehow gains other Planeswalker abilities, rolling a six only applies to this specific ability. Next we have DK, Finder of the Lost, for one blue-black legendary creature zombie employee. It's a 1-4. When DK, Finder of the Lost, enters the battlefield, open an attraction. Whenever you roll a two, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Whenever you roll a four, you may tap or untap target artifact or creature. Whenever you roll a six, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So here are the notes. It doesn't matter if you are rolling a d6 or a d20. If you roll a two, four, or six, one of the abilities will trigger. Modifiers apply first. Um, if you roll more than one die at a time, DK's ability will trigger for each corresponding roll. Assuming that we aren't in a situation where we are rolling an additional die and ignoring one of the results. If you roll a 2, 4, or 6 while rolling to visit an attraction, and the visit trigger... The visit triggers also trigger, 
you get to stack the triggers how you want. However, if a spell or ability resolving had you roll the dice, you need to finish resolving those abilities before putting DK's triggers on the stack. So yeah, really just be careful of order of things. Yeah. All right, next up, uh, the card is Down for Repair. Uh, it's two and a black for a sorcery that says target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a non-land card from it. That player discards that card. Destroy up to one attraction that player controls. Uh, this is... Uh, the spell has two targets, uh, and you need to choose both of them as you cast the spell. Okay, this isn't even though it's a little it's a little weird because it's saying target opponent reveals their hand. You choose an online card from it. it. It's almost set up like it would be like a like a reflexive trigger or something like that, but it's not. Um, so yeah, that's it. Uh, if uh, if one target becomes illegal the spell is still going to try and do as much as possible because it's got two targets but if both targets become illegal then it's not gonna do anything okay i'm going to talk about embiggen and embiggen is an instant for one green until end of turn target non-brushwag creature gets plus one plus one for each super type card type and subtype it has uh so the non-brushwag brushwag clause is to keep this from breaking with the changeling subtype creatures uh, although there is still a way to do it you know what it is you already read it on the internet <laughs> um, although all subtypes count even non-creature subtypes so equipment monkey and treasure dog are pretty sweet um, one thing i will encourage you to do is seek out carmen handy's twitter uh, she had a fun story about this with Mark Rosewater and the development process, and I think it's actually kind of cute. Would Would you say they have the noblest heart? Uh, uh, I would. I would. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm so glad that somebody gets Brian's references now. Thank goodness. I don't know what he's ever talking about. In fact, that was something that we talked about when he uh, initially uh, asked me to be on the show was uh, the fact that uh, <laughs> he can't slip anything by anybody because. <laughs> <laughs> it was thank goodness it was finally. a little so I'll, I'll explain the the first time i ever heard the word embiggen was on a simpsons episode uh, oh the first time I, I i always think of miss marvel when i hear embiggen is embiggen in miss marvel yeah yeah oh it's in both oh so it might actually be a real word and not just a simpsons made i always assumed it was just a simpsons made up word well i, I think it was i think it has since been added to the dictionary oh, but it's in the lexicon thanks jebediah <laughs> All right, exchange of words. One blue-blue enchantment. When exchange of, world, exchange of words enters the battlefield, choose two target creatures. For as long as exchange of words remains on the battlefield, exchange the text boxes of those creatures. Cool, so exchanging text boxes is a text-changing effect. Ability stickers are not part of the rules text that get exchanged, so those stay on the original creature. If exchange of words... Leave leaves the battlefield before the ability resolves, or either creature becomes an illegal target, the exchange never happened. One of, so once the exchange happens, either creature leaving the battlefield doesn't cause the text box to revert back. Only exchange of words leaving the battle, leaving or the creatures blinking or... Okay, wait. <laughs> once the exchange happens, either creature yeah. leaving the battlefield doesn't cause the text boxes to revert back. Only exchange of words, leaving, or the creatures blinking or something. Okay. 
So everybody got to leave. Well, like if if uh, exchange of words leaves the battlefield, the text boxes revert back. If you mm-hmm. blink the creatures when it enters back in the battlefield, it's a new object, so it's got mm-hmm. it gets its text back. But the other creature still has the changed. Like this is this is one of the things that's kind of weird. Like like creature A and creature B swap text boxes, okay? But then creature A dies. Creature B still keeps creature A's text box. So if creature A maybe doesn't die, it gets it gets blinked and, and or returned to the hand and recast or something like that. Now creature A has A's box and creature B has creature A's box. Well, yeah, like if you loan me a book and you die, that book is still in my house. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next up, we have a form of the approach of the second sun. <laughs> For four and a four and a white, it is an enchantment. When this enchantment enters the battlefield, oh, it's an acorn card. In case you couldn't tell. Uh, when this enchantment enters the battlefield, you gain seven life. You become a card until you leave until you leave your library, or that library is shuffled. Put yourself seventh from the top, balancing the card on top of your head. When you draw yourself, you win the game. When one or more cards fall off your head, exile them and all cards on your head, then sacrifice this enchantment. All right, let's talk about this nonsense. As long as you are still in your library, you will remain a card, even if form of the approach leaves the battlefield. Okay, so you're seventh, but then someone disenchants this form of the approach of the second sun when you're three cards from the top. You still stay a, a, a card. If cards fall off your head, though, after form of the approach of the second sun is no longer on the battlefield, you won't have to exile them because that triggered ability is attached to the, to the form. All right. If you put yourself into your hand without drawing yourself, like you tutor for yourself, you just stop being a card. You didn't draw yourself. You don't win that way. While in the library, you're a planeswalker card. Because, get it? You're a planeswalker. Ha ha. Uh, But you don't have any mana cost or any other characteristics. Alright? If you do something like scry yourself to the bottom of the library, well, now you gotta put all those cards on top of your head. So don't do that. Um... And then uh, if you if you draw yourself and somehow don't win because something affects something's preventing you from winning like your opponent has a platinum angel or something, you don't get to draw another card to replace you. You're irreplaceable. Um, and then finally, wearing your library is not considered a hat because acorn. I felt a little weirdly offended when you were like, you, you don't have any characteristics. You don't have any characteristics. What? Oh. <laughs> Speak Before for I get yourself. To my, no, Before I get you... to my card, because I've seen it come up as a question several different places. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can wear a hat and then put the cards on top of the hat. And yes, you can wear a top hat or other similar hat that is flat on top. You're allowed to do it. Um, white, black is a hats matter. Um, archetype within the game and wearing that uh does work i feel like i feel like ba- i feel like balancing like that like with a hat is cheating like you, did you guys never have to like walk with books on your head to make sure you had good posture and balance no, like we didn't go to debutante school i've in... been training for this so <laughs> I, to I, wear I, a top I'll, hat i'll make the distinction it has to be on top so something like a hat band that wraps around the the top of the brim um you can't actually use something artificial to hold the cards there. Hmm. So so I still think that it's precarious enough that you have to sit with very rigid posture the whole entire time. 
because it doesn't take much for those cards to start to slip. I'm, I'm not sure that it matters either way. Well, also, I guess a top hat is probably made of, you know, has silk, so that, that is rather slippery. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, Grand Marshal Macy uh, is, uh, for one, a white and a black, is a legendary creature human performer. That's a 2-2. Uh, you may choose not to untap Grand Marshal Macy during your untap step. If you do, put a pause counter on it, then you lose one life for each pause counter on it. Whenever Macy becomes untapped, remove all pause counters from it. For two and a tap, you choose an until end of turn or this turn effect, and as long as Macy remains tapped, the effect does not end. Fascinating. Um, the chosen effect can be from any source, even your opponent's. If you choose to untap Macy during the untap step, the chosen effect will immediately end if its scheduled duration has already elapsed. Uh, effects that have re haven't reached their duration will just keep on trucking till it's time for them to shuffle off their mortal coil. Uh, Macy might choose to lock them down again, though. This, the effect ending, might also happen if Macy becomes untapped some other way outside of the untapped step, or if Macy leaves the battlefield. If Macy becomes untapped during her tap during before her tap ability resolves then you won't choose an effect to not removing yeah. counters from... Yeah? Yeah, you won't choose a thing to not do a thing. Right. Right, right. okay. I, I got the. I got it. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> um, removing counters from Macy won't unpause the effect. <laughs> I... Okay. Unpause. This is... This right here, this card... Yeah. Is probably the only acorn card in the whole set where I look at that and I'm like, huh, well, I wonder what I can do with that. I have a feeling that there are people out there madly brewing on this card. Um, I think, I think for starters, she's a great character, but I think the, uh, that text box is, that's enticing. Yeah. <laughs> this next card is also an acorn card uh, that has an interesting uh, little bit of rule stuff on it. But the card is, how is this a par three? And is two blue blue for an enchantment. It says, whenever you cast a spell, you may have target player mill X cards, where X is the number of words in that spell's name. All right. So we're not going to talk about the name thing, okay? Uh, because that's not the interesting part of this card. That's what's making it an acorn card, but it's not the interesting part. All right. This has some, some actually kind of cool rule subtlety stuff. Since this ability is a May ability, okay, you are choosing to have a player mill X cards. And if the player doesn't have X cards in their library, because the game doesn't let you make or doesn't let you choose impossible actions, you cannot choose to have the mill X cards because they don't have it. So if okay, X is going to okay, be that's five, just cool. <laughs> right? That's just cool. I love that. Okay, now if you remove the word may, or, or just if it just said whenever you cast a spell, target player mills X cards, in that particular case, you know, you can target the opponent, they would mill up to X cards based on the number of cards in the library. So if it's, if they've only got 10 cards left in their library and mill is, and you're going to try and mill uh, 11, you're just going to mill them out. But since you cannot make, you cannot choose an impossible action. And that player milling 
11 cards when they only have 10 cards in their library, that is an impossible action, and you can't choose it. Fun. Hats off to the R&D member that came up with that little that little nugget and put that in there. I think that's <laughs> great. All right. Next up is Killer Cosplay for a green. Artifact Equipment. Whenever Killer Cosplay becomes attached to a creature, choose a creature card name with an identical mana cost. That creature becomes a copy of the card with the chosen name until until Killer Cosplay becomes unattached from it. Equip three. <laughs> Got some cute flavor text. All right, this is an acorn card. Um, but as as a note, identical mana cost does include the color. Um, also you can re-equip. It's supposed to be can't. What you said? You said that typo. I, typo. Nope. We're gonna errata it ourselves. <laughs> Judge Academy declare. Judge Cass declares. Anyway, you can't re-equip an equipment to a creature it's already attached to. Boo, I thought that would be fun. You gotta equip it to something else and then bring it back. You can't just throw it off, put it back on, throw it off, put it back on. Gotta commit to the bit with this cosplay. Yeah. Alright, do you, do you want to just have a discussion on this next card then? Yeah, I'll, I'll read it and then maybe you discuss it. Okay. Okay. And then so, you can do line prancers because, after. Because I've got, I've got this whole question. There's a show note here, and I'm sitting there looking at it. I'm like, I don't get it. But that's okay. Okay. Um, Lilla, Hospitality Hostess. Uh, for two green and white, you get a legendary creature elf employee. That's a 3-3. Three, three. Um, the text box says, you may look at the top card of your library anytime. Uh, you may cast common spells from the top of your library. And guests you control get plus one, plus one. So... Brian, yeah, what what's it about this card that's this, special? This card actually makes me a little mad because mad. it would be a great pauper commander. Oh, okay? but it's mythic rare. But it's mythic rare, so it's designed it, like it looks like it's designed for a format that you can't play for. So for pauper commander, just for the the people at home, it's a for it's a version of commander where everything is commons except you're allowed to pick an uncommon creature to be your commander okay lilla hospitality hostess is a mythic rare okay so this would be perfect for pauper commander except the fact it's the wrong rarity gotcha. yay yay <laughs> all right <laughs> do you want to do uh, since that was more me do you want to do the next one yeah i'll do line prancers all and right. i'll do magar I, I mean, I like I like the uh, the centaurs on the on the art here. So let, let's talk about line prancers. Line prancers for one and a green. Uh, it's a creature centaur performer. It's a two two. So when line prancers enters the battlefield, you get two tickets. Then you may put a power and toughness sticker on a creature you own. For three and a green, you get to target creature you don't control or target creature you don't control blocks target creature you control with a power and toughness sticker on it other than line prancers this turn if able all right so it's an eternal card uh and activating the last ability doesn't mean you have to attack or are attacking with the target creature you control so you can do it just not attack it's okay um if you do attack with the creature you control and the targeted creature can't block for some reason there's a blocking restriction then it doesn't block if there's a cost associated to blocking, you don't have to pay it, or the opponent does not. Uh, other creatures can also block, not just the one affected by the ability. And if a creature is required to block a creature with menace, 
another creature must also block that creature if able. If none can, the creature that's required to block can block another creature or not block at all. You have to satisfy satisfy as many requirements without breaking your restrictions when you're uh, declaring when your opponent's declaring blocker. Yeah, that's that's kind of a weird thing. The, these type of abilities, because uh, they can force a creature to block that's not part of the that's not part of the equation, right? Right. So that's always that's always something that kind of trips people up, and then when they find out about, it, they're like, "What? My turn? Show my turn." All right. Magar of the Magic Strings for one black-red. Legendary creature, Minotaur Performer. It's 3-3. Three, three. It's got an activated ability, one black-red. Note the name of target instant or sorcery card in your graveyard and put it onto the battlefield face down. It's a 3-3 three, three creature with, whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, you may create a copy of the card with the noted name. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost and... If this creature would leave the battlefield, exile it instead of putting it anywhere else. That's pretty cool. All right. Face down creatures. A face down creature has no characteristics other than what Magar's ability gives it. No name, no mana cost, no types, etc. If a creature enters the battlefield as a copy of a face down creature, that copy will, will have all the characteristics of the face down creature. In this case, it will be a 3-3 with two abilities. But it will still be face up, so here's the thing. The noted name... That's not part of the creature's copyable values, so copies won't won't know what the noted name is. Oh, that's so interesting. So you'll have a, an ability that lets you do stuff with the noted name, but there is no noted name, so... Eh? Magic is fascinating. I love this game. Some cards from older sets let you turn face-down cards face-up. If something tries to turn a face-down instant or sorcery card on the, the battlefield face-up, you reveal the card and then leave it face down. <laughs> I'm so glad you got Battlefield out of that because I wanted to say Facebook, Facebook. right away. You go peekaboo and hey, put it back you down. know, you know, you can make fun of my typos. <laughs> this isn't like a peer-reviewed document that like went through uh, uh, a strict editorial yeah. process. Yes. <laughs> We we are very, very careful and strict with our, our notes here. Mm-hmm. So, outstanding question that the rules FAQ doesn't seem to answer. If I put a name sticker on the face-down instant sorcery, does it keep the sticker after it leaves the battlefield? All the cards that put stickers on things do it to permanence on the battlefield. Interesting. Yeah. So this was, I looked to see, I, uh, probably someone that's a little more rigorous than I might be able to figure out a way to get a, a name sticker on... On an instant or sorcery, like I'm actually thinking maybe like if I have a manifest card that's a manifest instant or sorcery, and then I put a name sticker on it, and then it dies and goes to the graveyard, does the name sticker stay on the permanent? Because there's not actual CR rules in this release notes, so it just says the sticker the sticker stays on the card, but stickers always go on permanent. So what happens if it changes its type and becomes an instant or sorcery when it's in the graveyard? Do- I'm gonna say it falls off. I don't know. I, saw... I would think it falls off because I don't think there's any other interaction where it matters. Well, so I saw something on Reddit where someone used this card to cast Ancestral Recall. Okay. Because they started with a recall card and they added a name sticker to Ancestral and it's in the graveyard. Now, I don't know how they got it in the graveyard. I don't know, the, the thing didn't say. But if you then use Magar's ability to 
to uh, uh, to put it on the battlefield face down as a 3-3. And then its noted name in that particular case would be Ancestral Recall. And you would use the Oracle text of Ancestral Recall. So you could you could build your own. It's a little weird. but uh, I, th- I think the whole point of that exercise when they were talking about it, I think I saw yeah. that, was to try and get Ancestral Recall into Legacy. Yeah. Which, okay, cool. They did it. <laughs> Yeah, but at the same time, it's just like, is there going to be a thing that's going to make that name fall off? Because it seems like the name stickers only apply to permanents or like all the things, all of everything. So I'm curious if there's if there's some sort of rule when this finally gets. I don't envy Jess. Like <laughs> this this set, like like realistically, really, like one of the great things about the unsets from a rules manager standpoint is you don't got to update the CR for none of this. But now you got to worry about name stickers on instance and magar the the of the magic strength anyway i don't envy him uh but i do in yeah, that segue doesn't work monitor monitor two blue blue it's a two five human employee when monitor monitor enters the battlefield open an attraction once each turn you may pay one to re-roll one or more dice all right the one each turn ability this isn't a triggered ability Okay, the, it just says once each turn you may pay one to re-roll. You, you have to decide to use that ability right after you see the results of the die. And this may be in the middle of resolving another ability, right? The ability that made you roll the dice. If you control multiple monitor monitors, you may use each of them once a turn. And you may use your multiple monitor monitors on the same dice roll if you want. Monitor monitor will let you re-roll any die roll. Baldur's Gate D20s on dragons, plane chase, planar dies, whatever you want. You get a re-roll with Monitor Monitor, because I haven't said that enough. It's a very good card in the set. It, it does a lot of work. Yeah, it does. It, it, because yeah. with, attract- with attractions, it's amazing. It, it does seem to do the thing that it wants to do very well. Fortunately, most of the cards that you use them with are just kind of meh. That's why I was like, with the Baldur Gates dragons, that's awesome. You know, roll that d20 again. Oh, you got a three or a four? Uh, get some more treasures. All right. So, Nearby Planet. Uh, nearby Planet is a land, and it has Rangeland, which states, This card is every land type, including plains, island, swamp, mountain, forest, desert, gate, lair, locust, and, you know, all those Urza's ones. <laughs> Uh, nearby planet <laughs> i think you have to read it that way too yeah uh, nearby planet enters the battlefield tapped and when nearby planet enters the battlefield sacrifice it unless you pay one uh it's an acorn card for many many reasons um and uh it's important to point out that wastes is not a land type this land cannot tap for colorless there you go yeah next we have night shift of the living dead for three and a black it's an enchantment when you roll a die, you may pay one life. If you do, increase or decrease the result by one. Do this only once each turn. And then whenever you roll a six, create a 2-2 black zombie employee creature token. <laughs> um, and the note here is first ability isn't a triggered ability. Why, why, yeah. is, that, why is that relevant to call it? it? It does not start with when, whenever, or at. So it is certainly not it a just, triggered ability. It feels like a triggered ability, though. It feels like when you roll a die, you may pay one life. Mm. If you do... It gives you the triggered ability vibes. 
Yeah, what it is it's got a strong triggerability vibe, but it's not a trigger because it's got to it's got to be able to resolve in the middle. It's got to be able to do its thing in the middle of a spell, resolving an ability. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. don't look too closely at that, folks. Just 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 understand that it happens. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's a eternal legal card, so we gotta. Yeah, you know, a little bit, but it's no acorn guy's... on that one, baby. Is that guy's arm coming out of his leg? What is? Oh no, he he just t- he took his arm off he and took it on off. The, the table. Oh, it's just, oh, just, it's just it lying t- there. It's resting. It's tired. Okay. I feel like this guy some days. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Uh, the next one is pair o dice lost. Get it instead of paradise lost. It's pair o dice. Ha ha. Three green green. It's an instant roll. Two six sided dice. Uh, bonus points if they are big, fuzzy dice that you hang in a rearview mirror of a car. But roll two, t- two six-sided dice, return any number of cards with total mana value X or less from your graveyard to your hand, where X is the total of those results. Exile, paradise lost. Okay, this is an eternal legal card. This ability doesn't target. The opponent cannot respond after they know the dice total or the cards chosen to be returned. Also, and this this part's actually kind of cool. That it's like, oh, I might want to play this in certain decks. You can return any number of cards with mana value zero, like lands, from your graveyard, regardless of this result. So, Ugh. Gitrog wants this card, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, Resolute Vegisaur. Aw, he's a he's a cute little uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex eating carrots. Um, he has a, a hat, and he has a hat. <laughs> Even better uh, for two and a green. He's a creature dinosaur employee. It's a three three trample. Whenever you roll your third die each turn, put a plus one plus one counter on Resolute Vegisaur, and he's eternal. So uh, if you roll one die, then an action has you roll, let's say ten die. One of the ten dice rolled is your third. And for the effects of the spell, it doesn't matter which one. It's just looking to see whether or not you've rolled three dice. So in total, um, any die re-rolled doesn't count toward your die count. Um, and also any die roll that is ignored does not count towards your your uh, count of how many dice you've rolled each turn. Okay? Okay. Roxy, publicist to the stars. For two blue-red, legendary creature human employee, star four, <laughs> flying. Roxy, publicist to the star's power is equal to the number of permanents you control with an art sticker, plus the number of cards in your graveyard with an art sticker. When Roxy enters the battlefield, distribute up to two art stickers among one or two non-land permanents you own. Alright, so Roxy, publicist to the stars. The ability that sets Roxy's power works in all zones, so if Roxy is in the graveyard and has an art sticker, that counts towards the total. Oh, okay. Neat. Roxy's sticker distribution ability lets it share stickers between two permanents or put them both on one permanent. Wait, when you say shares share stickers between two permanents, so I can have one sticker that goes on two permanents? No. Share's a bad word there. I should not have used it. No. Don't no. be doing that. No, okay. No, one sticker do, for each, or two stickers yes. on one. Okay. That, okay. That's a that's a that's very good. Yeah. Now it's not like one of those things where you have to like tear the baby in half. No. Oh, speaking oh. of which, 
Oh, jeez. Yeah, the next card is saw in half. <laughs> okay, uh, that, that was relevant. What, was that intentional? No, or... I, I just make morbid references. Ignore me. Okay, fair enough. Saw in half for two and a black. It is an instant. Probably my favorite card in the set because I could actually use it. But uh, destroy. it's an instant. Destroy target creature. If that creature dies this way, okay, so you can't do it with indestructible stuff, uh, its controller creates two tokens that are copies of that creature, except their base power is half the creature's power, and their base toughness is half that creature's toughness, round up each time. Okay, so again, like I alluded to, if the creature isn't destroyed, no tokens are created. Uh, the result uh, of no tokens uh, also happens if a replacement effect moves the creature targeted to a zone other than the graveyard. Because remember, dies is it goes from the battlefield to the graveyard. Okay, so if it goes from battlefield to hand, battlefield to exile, it didn't die. Um, we use the last known information on the battlefield for the creature's power and toughness. Um, except for the power and toughness, the token copies what was on the original creature and nothing else. Okay, so when we create a copy, we don't pay any attention to you know, text changing effects, type changing effects, anything like that. But because this is specifically setting the creature's power and toughness, we do look at it as it existed on the battlefield. And because it is setting the power and toughness, a thing that we learned way, way back many, many years ago, if a copy effect copies a creature and sets the power and toughness of that creature, and that creature has a characteristic defining, the, the creature that you're copying has a characteristic defining ability, we don't copy the characteristic defining ability that changes the power and toughness. Uh, if the copied creature has X in its mana cost, X is considered to be zero. Okay. If the creature target, uh, or if the creature being targeted was a token, the new tokens are going to use the same characteristics that created the original token, except the power and toughness. Okay. Uh, if the new tokens are copies of something that was already a copy... Okay, the token, like a clone, for example, clone of a bear cub, okay, um, then the tokens enter the battlefield as whatever the token copied, tokens enter the battlefield as whatever that token copied, uh, with the exceptions above, talking about power and toughness, all right, and then, you know, if uh, where, where the real juice of this card comes in is if you're creating two token copies of something within enters the battlefield trigger, you're going you're gonna to get that twice. Sweet. Yeah, that's that's like that little after after um, I don't know aftermarket little little feature that just there yeah, that's, that's 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 the main that's course. the juice that's the thing. Yeah, I like now, the idea of rating cards on a juiciness scale. <laughs> How juicy would you say this card is? Mark Rosewater, start taking notes for the next. Onset. Now, now, okay, now I'm gonna do a little bit of um of un shenanigans um because this card says round up each time. And it is possible in unsets to have cards with fractional power and toughness. So, like, if you destroy a creature with the one-half or the one-quarter power and toughness, that, that's going to round up. So, so if you got a creature with, uh, with you know, one-quarter, one-quarter power and toughness and you saw it in half, you're going to get two one-ones. That's some value. What? 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 What do you mean, what? I'm going to have to think about that very hard. Yeah. All right. Don't think about it too hard. You might... Uh, Miss your next card? Oh, is Scooch mine? Uh, is 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 it yours? Is I don't. I've actually lost track. Uh, it's actually I think mine because I think you did oh, Roxy, right? Okay. Yep. You're right. Correct. 
Right. Yeah. So Scooch for one in a black is an instant. Uh, it is an acorn card. So uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, add or subtract one from target creature's power, target player's life total, or target die rolls result. Draw a card. It has those magic words on there. Draw a card. Um, again, it's an acorn card. So I'm just going to read directly from the release notes because I think it's uh, I think it speaks to the whole issue. Targeting a die roll requires some unmagic. Yes, unmagic. Uh, so uh, just do what it says on the card. Nothing to see here. Don't worry that you're breaking magic by interfering with the resolution of a spell or ability during the resolution. The aristocrats. Um, and uh, zero and seven are valid new results. Next up nope. is slight malfunction. For one and a red, it's a sorcery. Choose one. You can either destroy target artifact or roll a six-sided die. When you do, slight malfunction deals one damage to each of up to X target creatures, where X is the result. So this the second option does not require a target when you choose it. What? Really? Yeah. I, okay. Yeah, I guess not. It goes on the stack without a target. As it resolves, you roll a d6. This causes a reflexive triggered ability trigger, so you choose the target as it goes on the stack. Fascinating. All right. Uh, uh, Charles, you said you wanted to do this one? Yeah. I, I, can I take this one out of order? Because sure. I have a, a, I have a side story with it. Sure, go for um, it. Sure. So, Soul Performer, uh, 2 and 2 green, uh, is a creature elf performer for 2. Uh, that That's a 2-2 two, two on the battlefield. Now, it has an interesting ability. Uh, it has a, uh, an activated ability, tap, add, tap, tap, activate only once each turn. While activating an ability, use the tap symbol rather than tapping the permanent to pay for the tap symbol. Does that make sense to everybody? I'm glad it does. Um, it's an <laughs> acorn card, <laughs> obviously. Let's say yes. Yes. Um, this card, like many of the complicated acorn cards in the set, have a number of notes, in this case for this one seven but two really are the most important and and i want to talk about those um the ability will confer this ability will confer the ability to activate an ability there i said ability three times in a sense uh, a second time to already tapped creatures heck you can even do it twice so if a creature's already tapped and it has an activated ability on it you can use this ability to activate the ability on that creature a second time or a third time um this ability will not allow creatures with summoning sickness to activate their abilities. They are still sick from being called in from the Weave of Magic, and as such are not able to do anything. Unless they have haste, then it's all good. Um, the reason I wanted to talk about it briefly was because reading these on cards is like trying to decipher a puzzle, okay? Um, when we first get them, we look at them, and we pour over them, and we say, gee, does this really let us do, or, or does this let us break the game? How does it let us break the game? Um, this card caused a conversation between myself uh, and L3, and I think they were talking to three other people. Um, it's a neat card, but it does not work on creatures that just came in. So it doesn't work like some kind of weird replacement effect. Um, the creatures still have to be um, able to activate the ability and able to uh, take advantage of this card. Does it make sense? Well, in the rule, like, they can't activate abilities requiring a, using a tap symbol. So you can't, 
Right, but it doesn't actually tap the card, which was where we were going when we were talking about it. Right, but the, specifically the haste actually requires, it says you can't activate abilities that, that have the tap symbol. So, yeah, this, this the, you can't use this with haste things. I think the, the rules actually support, I was about to say the rules actually support this, but I mean, it, they they do what they don't. Right, it was, a, it was a fun conversation. All right, I guess I'll take Space Bellerin then. <laughs> uh, for t- oh, I, <laughs> I did it to you. Go ahead, do it. All right, Space Bellerin for two white and a blue is uh, a three loyalty legendary planeswalker Jace with Space Sculptor, which Space Sculptor is a static ability that says Space Bellerin divides the battlefield into alpha, beta, and gamma sectors. If a creature isn't assigned a sector, its controller assigns it to one. Opponent assigns first. And then it's plus one loyalty ability. Creatures in each sector uh, can be blocked this turn only by creatures in the same sector. Minus one ability. Plus Put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature in the sector of your choice. Then minus five. Destroy all creatures in the sector of your choice. All right. So anytime Space Jace is on the battlefield, uh, it's divided into three sectors. All creatures get assigned uh, sectors. Opponent gets to assign first. All right. Creature can't be in more than one sector at a time. You know, that's just basic laws of physics right there, folks. Um, if Space Belleron uh, uh, hits the... If a new Space Belleron hits the battlefield while another Space Jace is already there, creatures aren't reassigned sectors. Okay? Uh, while Space Belleron is on the battlefield, anytime a creature that is not in a sector... Uh, is assigned one by the controller as a state-based action. All right. So while it's on the battlefield, it's got to have, got to have its, uh, got to have that sector. Uh, first creature controller, uh, first creature controllers that don't own a space jace assign their creatures to a sector in turn order. Then controllers of space Belleron do the same in turn order. Uh, if all space Bellerons leave the battlefield before combat, uh, even if the plus one plus uh, the plus one loyalty ability, that's the one that said creatures in each sector can only be blocked uh, by creatures in the same sector. If that space chase is gone, all sector assignments are lost. Well, that sounds dangerous. Uh, and creatures can block whoever they want. Okay. Um, if a creature changes controllers, the controller gets to assign a new sector. Sector assignments are not copyable characteristics of the card. And then the last two uh, abilities of Space Jace, which is put the plus one, plus one counter on each creature in the sector of your choice and destroy all creatures in the sector of your choice. The sectors are chosen upon resolution. So, I mean, like you, the opponent, you're probably going to know which one they're going for. But so this is kind of an interesting card. It sets up the old Raging Ravine from Alpha Beta and it's... Oh, look, it's Eternal Eagle. Yay. (laughs) Um, Oh, boy. Yeah, which is fine, I guess, because the rules kind of supported this because they had to support Raging Ravine anyway with its left side and right side of the ravines. So, yeah, sure. Basically, (laughs) it's like Raging Ravine only making two lanes. It's now making three. And I guess even though it's space and you kind of want to call them a quadrant, uh, they called them a sector because they only had Alpha, Beta, and Gamma. You know, I mean, or maybe they wanted to avoid the Delta Quadrant because that's where all the Borg live. And then we'd get into like, that's going to be in universes beyond Star Trek. 
actually, hear me out. I think okay. Watsi has uh, created a, uh, a chance for them to um, have a new uh, uh, partnership. And I think the partnerships with, you know, Joanne Fabrics and Ribbons, okay, oh. specifically Ribbons, because mm-hmm. I think what they want to do is they want to sell every owner of Space Chase two four-foot-long lengths of ribbon. Because if you use that on the battlefield, you can easily create your three sectors. Wouldn't that be cool? See, I was I was thinking you were going to go for some cosplay contest joke. No, 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 no. When you were talking, no, when you brought in I'm Joanne's, not, I was no, like, no. oh. Oh, no. no. Here we go. No, I'm not, I'm not going there. <laughs> really? No, I, I know better. <laughs> All right. Starlight Spectacular. Two white, white enchantment. Parade. At the beginning of combat, on your turn, choose creatures you control one at a time until each creature you control has been chosen. Each of those creatures gets plus one, plus one until end of turn for each creature chosen before it. Places, everyone. The first creature in line gets plus O, plus O. So, if you control multiple starlights, each one calculates separately, i.e., if you control three creatures and two starlights, you assign plus O, plus O then plus one plus one, then plus two plus two. After that, you then go on to the next starlight, but you you can assign values prioritizing different creatures, so you get to reorder them in in their little parade for the second starlight. I just love the artwork on that card. I really do, too. (laughs) You ready for Tchotchke Elemental? Yeah. All right, Tchotchke Elemental for one green is a creature elemental. It's a one-one. Now, if we know anything about elementals, it's not going to stay a 1-1 for very long, right? Um, it's a acorn card, and unique items must be different. Oh, so I should read the rules text first, right? Uh, whenever you create a, cre- a token or put a counter or a sticker on another permanent, you put a knick-knack counter on tchotchke elemental. Knick-knack, patty-whack, give a dog a bone. Use a unique item. That completely fits on Tchotchke Elemental for each knickknack counter. Tchotchke Elemental gets plus one, plus one for each knickknack counter on it. Uh, unique items must be differentiated by color, size, or shape. Uh, so if you have three different dice that are different colors and shapes, uh, that's great. But you can't have three D6s with red pips and blue faces and just rotate them around so different numbers are on top. Uh, the counters can touch each other. That's really what you need to know about Tchotchke. I was actually surprised to learn that this was a a real word. Tchotchke? Yeah, like like I know that like from Office Space you had the bar named Tchotchkes. Okay, but I I actually did not realize that that was it was an actual real word. No, no, no. Learn That's, something new yes. every day here on Judgecast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. Uh, but anyway, got a trigger happy. For one in a red, instant, choose a triggered ability of target permanent. It triggers. You control that ability. Just uh, real real simple. Um, so this is an acorn card. Just a reminder, triggered ability, start with win whenever or at. Um, because of the way this card is worded, you can't choose reflexive or delayed triggered abilities. Um, you can choose triggered abilities represented by a keyword like exalted or prowess, uh, visit you can also do, but you can't visit is also a triggered ability, but prize isn't. Remember we said earlier that prize, even though it was kind of phrased like an ability, was actually part of resolving the, the, the visit ability. 
putting a dice on a saga counter is not uh, is not a triggered ability, uh, so you can't like up dice on saga counters that way. Um, neither is switching from day or night; those aren't triggers. Okay, triggers win whenever at. Um, if a triggered ability is triggered with the uh, if a triggered ability is triggered with this spell, okay. You get to ignore the triggering event. Like, whenever a creature dies, do X. You don't actually need a creature to die for this instance to trigger. Okay, you get to ignore the setup for the trigger. Okay. However, some triggers have intervening if clauses. Okay, we talk about intervening if clauses a lot. And if you choose one of these triggers with trigger happy, you're not going to be trigger happy, potentially. So... Uh, because even though it'll still go on the stack, it's going to check the validity of the intervening if clause when it goes to uh, resolve. For example, uh, I've got a Phyrexian missionary out on the battlefield that has a triggered ability that says whenever Phyrexian, uh, uh, Phyrexian missionary enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, return target creature you control from your graveyard to its owner's hand. Okay, I can use trigger happy to make that trigger happen. I get to ignore the when Phyrexian missionary enters the battlefield part of the trigger and put that trigger on the stack. But when we go to resolve it, that intervening if clause is going to say, hey, was I kicked? And the answer to that is, no, you weren't. So then the ability is going to be removed from the stack. So you are trigger sad. And, and no, uh, getting, no getting clever out there just because this is an unset and taking that Phyrexian missionary and like drop the kicking it on the way to the ground. Still yeah, we work. absolutely do Still not want to put... We do not want to put it in a, any sort of position. Yes. Um, okay. Because you control the trigger, you get to choose any targets. You get to choose any modes if it's a modal trigger. And you're responsible for any costs that you got to pay as part of the resolution. Okay. All right. Last card. Excited? Excited. Our last card is Wicker Picker for three. It's, it's an wick- I have to it's say, a Wicker Picker upper. I have to say that so carefully. Annunciation is hard. Say it quicker. It's Say an quicker, artifact quicker, creature scarecrow guest. It's a 2-3. Creature spells you cast have sticker kicker, which means you may pay an additional one as you cast a creature spell. If you do, you get a ticket. Then you may put a sticker on it. And it, this is eternal. All right. Um, an optional <laughs> additional cost that you may pay as you cast a creature spell. If you do... If you do, you get a ticket, and you may choose to put a sticker on the creature spell. This is while pa- this is while paying the cost, so it's like the last thing done before it's considered cast. Cool. Any triggered abilities that trigger whenever you cast a spell with certain qualities will see the spell with the sticker. However, you are putting the sticker on after we check legality of casting the spell, so you can't use a name change to get around something like Meddling Mage. And you can't cast an adventure card as an adventure and get it. If you were deciding to announce the sticker kicker, you have to have already decided to cast the spell as a creature. And you only get to kick it once. Um, If a creature spell has kicker or multi-kicker or any other ability that checks to see if it was kicked, that ability is linked to its own kicker or multi-kicker cost. You can't sneak a sticker kicker in there to get those effects. But cards that care if other cards are kicked, like... Elfheim Druid will see it as a kicked spell. He said kicker so many times. This this sounds like yeah. one of those exercises they, they make kids do when they're like 
when they have like speech impediments you know when they're when they're like learning to enunciate really specifically like she sells seashells by the seashore it reminds me of the tweedle beetle chapter from fox and socks oh i haven't thought about that in forever right but it's like if if the if the if you if the wicker picker is kickered with a sticker then it's just unless you're quicker i wouldn't snicker i just wish the two of you would stop bickering hey that's hey. never gonna happen no no <laughs> absolutely not all right that's the end i think that's that on that i survived you survived that's a long one yeah so yeah this is this is the long so what are y'all's thoughts on the set i'm really not a, not much of an unset person like it, it's cute it's just not really my thing but blessings to those who love it i think it's really neat in concept um and i i love the art for this set i always really enjoy i don't know space themed stuff so <laughs> okay what do, you, what do you think what do i think um yeah all right so small disclosure hi i am your head judge for magic 30s unfinity event amazing um, the oh the i get to set a record i get to head judge the largest draft ever that's single draft. 400 people drafting at one time in one pod. What? Wait. At least I think that's the way it works. What? In yes. one pod? Yes. You will never get a good look at that pack that you opened because you won't see those cards again. Amazing. Yes. I, I love questions. the set. <laughs> I know you have questions. I don't have answers. Um, <laughs> Welcome to Magic 30. <laughs> um, here's the deal. I think it's brilliant. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, if I were to rate it on on a scale, I would put it just under unstable. I think I liked unstable a little bit more. Um, the pros to it, um, I, I think the sticker concept is neat. I, I'm not in love with how it executes a little bit. Um, I think all of the attraction ideas, <laughs> a lot of them are very clever. Um, I, I love the creatures. I love the puns. I love the, the interaction back and forth. Um, the clowns are just great. They're hilarious. Um, they're everything you want a clown to be and nothing you don't want it to be. Wait, now um, that raises a lot of questions. <laughs> well, uh, no, there are a lot of people out there with clown phobia. And I was going to say, what, what they, do you think I want clowns to be? <laughs> because, because they made them robots. Um, they, they kind of softened them a little bit, I think. Um, I, uh, you haven't seen killer clowns from outer space then no 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 it's no, okay. okay i I'm have right. in fact you have <laughs> why i don't know but I, I do remember having seen that um it look it's supposed to be fun and i judging by what i got to see over the last weekend i think it's a lot of fun and i think it raises a lot of a lot of questions i think it gives players a, a chance to express a lot of creativity and i'm here for it so i'm excited by it uh, when we started doing the show notes for, we were going to do a potpourri episode if the if the show notes didn't come out in enough time, and we I actually wrote up a summary of like what everyone's opinions were, just a real brief, and it was uh, here's our here's our unfinity release notes summary is Charles loves it, Brian hates it, Sama uh, loves the idea in theory that it excites some people, but she has no plans to interact with these cards unless she's made to for some reason. God, that is spot on. And I, yeah, that is spot on. Did I tell you that, or did you just write? No, that? No, no, I just wrote, wrote that. He wrote that. And he told me about it like three or four days ago, and Dang, I'm just, I'm I was, I'm still laughing about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wish this set didn't exist. 
Like, oh, I, I stop that. No, I'm serious. I, I think I think I would feel completely different if it did not have eternal legal legal cards in it. I I mean, it's it's kind of funny. Like, I look at this and I was like, yeah, I can see some people having fun with that, and I'm kind of cool with it. And you know, it's like you know, it's for it's for people, not me. But as soon as you make it eternal legal, and suddenly I have to care, I'm I resent this set. Well, I mean, the question though is like, are people actually going to be playing these cards? I no, don't know. No, yeah. no. But that brings up the whole conversation topic, you know, where they where they say, well, not all things are for all people, and I feel like they're saying that a lot more lately, and I don't know that that's great. But well, you know, I I, I, might feel, for I think I feel kind of the opposite. I think that because I I think that say. More frequently saying not all things are for all people means that they are branching out into wilder things. Like, they're sure. becoming more niche and more interesting, which, you know, the further out on a limb you go, the less it's going to be for some people. And that's okay. I, I think that I think that's a sign of innovation, and I, I really appreciate that. So even even when something isn't for me, I still get really excited to see, like, just them trying new things. Because it might end up being on something for me in the future, you know? Like certain mechanics or whatever. Okay, so this this gets into something kind of visceral. Like when they did double face cards, I didn't have this reaction. I had like, ooh, how are we gonna do draft? Okay, sure. Uh, when they did uh, meld cards, you know, oh, uh, you know, hey, cool. You know, I'll learn. I'll figure this out. Uh, when they did modal, modal double face cards, you know, all all a uh, ton of interesting, fun things uh, that people loved, and maybe I didn't particularly care for it, but. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll learn the rules, that kind of thing. But, like, the rules around stickers, and for the most part, they borrow heavily off of, you know, like, changing power and toughness. Yeah, sure, fine. We've got plenty of those. Changing abilities or adding abilities. Yeah, sure, fine. Uh, But it's, like, just some of the weird stuff, like, the stickers stay on the permits when it goes to the graveyard. You have to have a separate attraction deck. Like, realistically, I do think they did a good job in making the stickers and the attractions bad enough that they're not going to see a lot of legacy play or, or anything in the eternal format. So I do appreciate that. If, oh, if that... somebody somebody hasn't hit Centrifuge enough. Oh, uh, what is... Centrifuge is, is an the... attraction on whatever you roll successfully. Um you and your opponent each pick a card. Well, basically, you pick a card from the player's library to the right of you. So your opponent picks one of your cards. You take one of their cards from the top of the library, right? And then the pers- yes, and then the person who hits it gets three treasure tokens. So you okay. get the opponent's card and three additional mana that turn, or whenever you want to use it. Oh, it's 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 acorn. It's acorn. Oh, that's a shame. That's yeah, fun. And- and you've got to, in order to do the attractions, you've got to start with like a 10 card deck and and you have to have 10, 10 unique attractions and building a deck that is going to want all 10, that is going to be happy with all 10 of those attractions. Like, I don't think like competitive players are, 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 are in terms are there of for going that. to, are, yeah, right. I don't think they're there for that. So I, I appreciate that they made them random enough so that the people who, play in the tournaments and i'm not i'm not like a, a a tournament guy i play i play commander uh for funsies at, at casual events but when i go to go to comparable events like i don't want to deal with this nonsense and i'm so i'm happy in a regard that they made it not competitive yeah it, i mean long term we'll find out what happens when somebody sits there and tries to break stickers um and maybe it's possible um yeah. we'll we'll find out i guess 
Yep. But that's... Maybe it's unpossible. I'm tired. <laughs> I, I wanted to immediately say that's unfunny, but that's not nice, and it's not true. That was funny. I like that. Unpossible. No, that was it's actually impossible. It's not that funny. No, anyway. no, no. It was good. It was <laughs> that's good. A Sim- that's it. also a Simpsons rep- episode, is it? That's impossible. Me make mistakes? That's impossible. God, I think it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I'm I don't smart. SMRT. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> join, us, right, join us next friends. week where all we do is talk about Simpsons episode stuff. I will not be joining for that. All right, that's our episode. Join us next time when we talk about... Actually, are we going to do potpourri next time? Our potpourri nonsense episode? Maybe. Sure. Anyway, join us next time when we pick a topic. Um, until then, you can send us an email at judgecast at gmail.com or like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at judgecast. Till next time, I'm Samantha Har. And I keep it unfun. And I'm Charles Feather, and I keep it unfair. That feels really bad. <laughs> and, and I'm Brian Prilliman, and I target die rolls with some unmagic. <laughs> <laughs>